This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to our April 30th, 2018 edition of Invest Talk. Now, Steve and I, as always, are dedicated to using this hour to your advantage and to do what we can to bring you useful information, useful insight, as well as share our perspective on money management and investing in today's changing money climate. Things are adjusting to a different environment. Right? And you're seeing that with volatility. And if there's a topic in this realm of finance, investing, that you'd like to hear more about, be sure to chime in. Let us know. You know how to reach us. As always, it's 888-99-CHART. You can call that number live, 4 to 5 Pacific time, and talk to me or Steve if you're calling on a different different day. Or you can leave a question and we will answer it on the next program. If you you want a more private setting, maybe, you can always go to investtalk.com, click on the Got a Question button, send a question directly to me, and we can get on the phone and talk about it. Now we're wrapping up April. We just finished April and putting away the first month of the quarter. And April is historically a strong month. All totaled, it was a positive month in 2008, but it ended up on a down note. And that's kind of what we're seeing recently. Uh, Now with the Fed reducing their balance sheet and they have to get to a certain target, $10 billion uh, a month, they are what's it's happening a lot and if you look, go look at the chart is at the end of the month the markets tend to be weaker uh, and that is because the Fed is drawing down liquidity they're trying to get to that 10 billion mark by the end of the month and so that's one of the reasons why you're seeing weakness near the end of each month Now, so we ended April, you know, close to flat. But what can we expect from May? And well, history doesn't doesn't speak too well of May. Tells us a sad story, and the Stock Traders Almanac shows that May is typically a mixed month for the major indexes. Speaking of history of the months of the year in relation to the stock market performance, investors are constantly reviewing past pricing history and using it to influence their future investment decisions. Now, some investors won't buy a stock or an index if it's risen too sharply because they see it as higher risk, which can be true, maybe not be, depends on the momentum. Others avoid falling stocks because they fear it will continue to deteriorate and go down, which, once again, could be true. Depends on momentum. Depends on valuation. So history can give us some insights and temper our expectations as we look forward. But as our friends at Investopedia.com point out, 
there are ways to predict market performance. Now, one of the indicators is momentum. You may have, may have, may have heard Steve or I talk about this. Uh, use the expression, don't fight the tape. That's kind of following the trends, right? Follow the trends. What is the momentum? The upside and the downside. Studies have shown that mutual fund performance inflows, mutual fund inflows, are positively correlated to market returns. So people do chase performance. And it's a feedback loop, typically. So momentum indi indicators can be a great way to find and latch onto trends. But there are many other technical indicators that traders should consider use using to find good opportunities. Just one factor. And we talk about that all the time, is never use one factor to make an investment decision. It's usually multiple data points. And that's your job. And that's our job, is to help you decipher what those important data points are. And those data points vary depending on what asset class you're looking at, what particular position you're looking at, what sector it's in, what's your time horizon, where's our current market today, what is it, how is it trending. So do you have a question about anything about picking a, a particular investment, whether that's a, a real estate, whether that's a particular stock, whether that's a bond, commodity, currency, maybe cryptocurrency, give me a call. Our main talking point today is about risk. And you can eliminate risk and how you can eliminate how you can eliminate it, but also measuring it. How do you measure it? So we're going to talk about that. I also have some other topics on the docket. One is about May. What do the statistics say about May? And especially this year, right? Because seasonality will say that typically the market's strong earlier than the year. And once you hit about May, it goes sideways until October, November, and then usually another rally. But that's just the average for every year. But what about midterm years, midterm elections? We're going to talk about that. Then we're going to discuss the durable goods report that came out on uh, today and what that means for markets, the economy, what that looked like. Was it positive? Was it negative? And then lastly, if there's uh, some ways you can get a little bit more out of your 401k and some ways to do that with without changing jobs. So we're going to talk about that. Uh, and maybe if we have time, we'll get to a covered call strategies, what that means and how that looks like in today's market. Now let's take a look at the market today. It was Overall, it was negative. It was a down day for the major indexes. And like I said, end of the, uh, end of the month, typically, um, the Fed is reducing liquidity. They're trying to uh, pare down their balance sheet. And they need to hit a goal by the end of the month, and that typically is dra that's draining money out of the system and dragging the market down overall. So that's one reason why you're what, that's a big reason why you're seeing a lot of weakness, uh, and especially today. So 
Does that mean we're automatically going to bounce now that we have a new month starting tomorrow? Uh, it's possible, uh, but I, I don't, I don't, I don't want to guarantee anything. You never want to guarantee anything. Um, but in general, the market, and I've said this for the past few few months, is rallies are guilty until proven innocent. So we remain in uh, a market that is at best, at best, neutral and probably moderately bearish in uh, trend overall. So you have the Dow down 148 points, the NASDAQ was down 53, and the SP was down 21. So about anywhere from 6 tenths of 1% to 8 tenths of 1%, depending on which index you're talking about. The best part of the market today was the Russell was only down 1.5 points, 0.11%, very modest drop on the Russell, and that typically is positive. Um, you know, I look at the broader index, the NYA, that was down 0.62%. So that's a pretty good snapshot of the uh, overall indexes. Moderate down day and pretty much weak throughout the day, close near the lows, which is probably a negative. Um, so be aware of that, that we remain in a market that is uh, trending down. Uh, but there are ways to make money, very choppy. And maybe we'll talk about how a uh, strategy that will work later in the show. 888 chart 888 is how you get through and ask your question on today's show. This is Invest Talk. I'm financial advisor Justin Klein. So there's been decades of study by the biggest brainiacs around, and there are still no answers. And the question is, how do you predict the market? There are no solid answers, but there are economic indicators that can help clear up some of the fog in your crystal ball. 888.99 chart. You can get through right now with your question on Invest Talk. You're listening to Invest Talk. The moving average is a simple technical analysis tool that smooths out price data by creating a constantly updated average price. Got questions about it? 888-99 chart is how to ask right now on Invest Talk. Hi, my name is Elias from Reaction Greece. Um, I recently opened a custodial account through Schwab for my son, who's about three months old. I have a few questions. He has around $1,000 in his account right now. I know the smart thing is to invest a, into a diversified mutual fund. However, I also feel that his uh, interest when he gets older would be greater if he owns specific stocks of companies like Disney and Nike. How would you go about investing his money, and what mutual funds do you prefer to start with? Thanks. Well, if he only has $1,000, uh, the difficult thing with individual stocks is the commission, right? Uh, even though commissions have come down dramatically over the years, uh, Fidelity's at $5 a trade, etc., uh, I, if you're going to buy one stock, uh, you know, one five dollars be one ten, uh, five tenths of one percent, which isn't a huge cost to get in, but then you're obviously not diversified. The the nice thing about mutual funds is there are many no load, no transaction fee mutual funds out there that you could buy that gives you instant diversification. Right in a mutual fund, you're buying a bunch of positions all in one fell swoop, uh, and that would probably be the simplest, lowest cost way 
to do it, and there's plenty of low-cost index funds out there. That being said, I just don't like indexing at the current time. Uh, there, everyone's kind of over-indexed, and a lot of people don't know understand the risks that are involved with the over the general uh, indexes right now. So that worries me a little bit. But your your son sounds like he's young, uh, has some time to ride the ride the ups and downs. So I wouldn't be uh, too worried about it. Um, uh, I like I said. I like individual stocks better. I think you'll do better than the overall indexes if you pick it right, but I have to know how much experience you have, what stocks you're looking to buy. Definitely stick with kind of the, the big blue chip names that want that pay you a dividend. That's what I would focus on right now. Uh, I wouldn't be looking on the growth side, definitely looking at the value side of the market. Uh, I, I would say this, send me a message. I need a little bit more information. You're talking very, very uh, small specifics. So uh, send, me a, send me a message on investtalk.com. Let's go to our main talking point today, and that is about investment risk. Okay, And we need to, it's something that you have to understand that every type of investment has some level of risk. You know, most people think of risk and they think stocks, right? Oh, and they think low risk, they think bonds. And a lot of people think mutual funds and ETFs are their own things. Well, typically they're just holding stocks and bonds, okay? Uh, and even if you're buying CDs, there's some risk there with inflation, So this is the first thing you always have to consider. And this is why we talk to clients is uh, the first thing I ask is, what type of investor are you? What's your time horizon? Are you looking to use this money now or is this something that's going to be used 20 years from now? So after the break, we're going to break down the different types of risks that are out there. Okay, there's different types of business risk. There's also different types of market risk. And we're going to break down the specifics of each one. Okay. Now, do you have a question about measuring risk? I want to hear from you. This is Invest Talk. I welcome any money questions from REITs to real estate partnerships to uh, utility stocks to growth stocks, tech stocks, uh, uh CDs, IRAs, 401ks, all of these are within our purview, plus much more. So we're here for you at 888-99-CHART. Invest Talk continues on a service of KPP Financial, serving the average investor for more than 25 years with innovative investing programs, programs they have a personal stake in, independent thinking, shared success with parallel investing. Now it's time to bring your question to the table. 888-99-CHART is our anytime line. All right, now we're going to get back to risk and the different types of risk that are out there in the marketplace. And the there's different types of risk. Now, there's business risk tied to specific companies that you're investing in. Uh, and that's just simply the day-to-day, -day, uh, the risk of day-to-day -day operations. 
management making bad decisions, uh, the industry as a whole going against that company, um, uh, another competitor out innovating uh, and stealing market share from a particular company. And all that is can can impact the value of a company. So how how well the company is being run. Then there's obviously credit risk, and this is the risk that a bond issuer will, will fail, right? The, 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 they won't pay back the loans and debt that have been uh, issued that they've issued. Okay, so these are company-specific business risks. Okay, and it typically that's more specific to bonds in general. But uh, those are, are very, very company-specific. Then there's the market risks. And there's socio-political risk, first off. And that is if the, the social environment, the government, fails within a particular uh, region of the world, and that impacts the business that you have money invested in. Now that can that could mean just the a failed state, like a coup, or it could mean the politicians within that particular country have ruled against the company you're invested in or created an environment that is not friendly to them in some way. Maybe that's increased regulation, things like that. Then there's country-specific risk. And this just could be the economy of that country, specific country, that is going down. Then there's currency risk. And this is the value of the currency that they do business in, or maybe you're being paid in, because that's you can invest in that too. You can invest in uh, debt that is tied to a specific currency. You're getting paid in, say, euros or yen or uh, Chinese yuan. And if that goes down in value, then certainly the value of your investment in dollars goes down. Then there's interest rate risk. Right when interest rates rise, bond prices go down. We've talked about that many times. Uh, inflation risk, very similar to interest rate risk, because typically when inflation rises, uh, interest rates rise as well. Um, but inflation, if you're only getting paid two or three percent, inflation suddenly is five or ten percent. Your money, while it's, you're getting paid on it, uh, your purchasing power is going down, and so that is can be a big risk. And there's liquidity risk. Bonds, uh, many stocks, sometimes they just don't have uh, the liquidity if you need that money. And uh, those are a lot of different type of risks that are out there. Let's go to our 24-hour anytime line and pick up a question at 888-99 chart. Hey, Steve or Justin. Mike Collins from Tampa, Florida. Just wondering if you guys can review ABX Barrick Gold Corporation. It seems to be one of the few gold stocks that is actually profitable. It has a PE, and it does pay a modest dividend. Just wondering if you would recommend owning this one as the best um, gold stock in the sector. I do want to get a gold stock. And they all seem to either not be profitable or have poor fundamentals. But if you'd recommend this one, and what would be a good entry point? Thank you very much. 
All right, he's looking at Barrick Gold Corporation. ABX is the symbol. This is a Canadian company out of Toronto. And if you're watching on our YouTube live stream, you'll see that uh, the fundamentals there, that revenues are down 10% year over year. Earnings are up 7% year over year uh, last quarter. And this year, earnings are supposed to go up 3%. Next year, down 4%. Yields about 1%, 0.9%. And return equity is 10%. So it's uh, and its P ratio is it's not that low. It's at 18. Um, it, it's certainly a good company. 15 billion dollar market cap, one of the largest uh, gold miners out there. I, I just like some other names. I like this. Uh, I just think there are many other good names in the gold mining space that I think would be better. So um, I like that you're looking at the space. I like the commodity sector. I like gold miners, especially after this long protracted pullback from mid 2016 you know 2017 was kind of flat for them uh, a, a tough start to uh, or a tough start to the year and now we're starting to rally again in gold miners so uh, I actually like where you're looking uh, you know I give this one maybe a six out of ten I, I like it I don't love it uh, I think there are other names in the space that I think will, will are better and better values so what's Coming up on the next Invest Talk, eight steps to organize your personal finances. That'll be one of the topics on Invest Talk for Tuesday. And as always, we're here to answer your questions on any money topics. Call me now at 888 99Chart. Our podcast continues next. KPP Financial Senior Vice President Justin Klein explains why a registered investment advisor firm wants to talk about real estate. He says your home is an important financial asset. Maybe it's the most important financial aspect of your future, and that asset needs to be managed accordingly. You need to make sure that when you retire, you do so with a plan. Maybe it's to relocate or downsize if need be. There are countless decisions to be made about your home or income property. There are complex issues about value and taxes that can impact your retirement math. And that's why KPP Financial has a licensed real estate agent on staff to help you make the important decisions about your home and your retirement. If you have a question about real estate, buying or selling, investing, don't hesitate to ask. You can contact Justin directly with a note on investtalk.com. Just look for Got a Question? Or call 888-99-CHART and follow the prompts. KPP Financial, for more than 20 years, helping our listeners and clients feel more confident about their money decisions. Now let's get back to the podcast. This is Invest Talk, and we'll wrap up Financial Literacy Month with a recommendation from our book section on investtalk.com, Napoleon Hill's Think and Grow Rich. This book is thought to be the standard against which all motivational books are measured. You can see more about it, and there are many other books. Just go to investtalk.com, click on the Invest Talk tab, and then Books. We're glad you're with us on Invest Talk. We hope you'll join in the conversation, 888-99-CHART. 888 chart 888 We have about 25 minutes left in the show, so if you're going to give us a call, 
do it sooner rather than later. Now we just ended or just had the last trading day in the month of April, which means that tomorrow is that dreaded May day, May 1st, and uh, the old adage is sell in May and go away. And the reason is, is typically the first quarter and the last quarter are where you get the best returns on the, the market. Uh, and the next six months or so, five, six months, uh, the market tends to trade flat. However, that differs in years or years where we have midterm elections, midterm elections, okay? And uh, it, typically during midterm Mays, the S&P declines about 0.9%, where the NASDAQ typically falls 1.2%. So here's is a good example of why we say the NASDAQ is usually riskier than the S&P. Right, when the market falls, the NASDAQ tends to fall more than the S&P. The Dow typically falls 0.7% in the Mays during midterm election years. Now, obviously, those don't seem like large numbers. But remember, we're looking at all of the midterm election years going back decades. Actually, going back to, to, to 1950. So we're talking 60-plus years of data. And so there are many years where, during midterms, the market was down big in the month of May, which drags down the overall average. Now, in general, Mays, over the past 67 years, the Dow has 35 Mays that were positive and 32 that were negative. So typically, while sell in May is, is an age-old adage, most Mays are positive, although it's kind of a coin flip. Now, what does that mean for this May? Well, you know, we're in a market, like I've said before, that is trending sideways to down. You have central banks are going through quantitative tightening, meaning they're removing liquidity from the marketplace. And you see that actively going on. And that's one reason, or a big reason, why you are not only seeing rates rise, but also a lot of market leaders start to weaken. Right, even the Apples of the world, the, the Googles of the world, the Netflix of the world, they're, they're losing their momentum. And so I do think we are entering into a time where you'll see a lot more volatility. And actually, this goes. This this brings me to uh, one of my other uh, things I was I wanted to get to earlier in the show was uh, what is working in this market, right? It's a difficult time to make hay, right? The markets are no longer trending higher. And what's working for for us at KPP is a, a covered call strategy. It's a equity income plus as a as our program, and what that does is sells option premiums, and you, we get lots of income. Uh, eight, ten percent a year, just an option income. 
because it's okay to sell that when the market's not trending higher because you're not losing out on much upside, but you're getting a lot of income. And so that is a strategy that I think everyone should look at. Selling calls. You own stocks. You own the underlying stock. Hey, someone wants to buy it from you, pay you to buy it from you 5, 10, 15% higher than it is today. And they're going to pay you a couple percent to do that. Okay, I'll take it. And this is an environment where that type of strategy works very, very well. So if anyone has a question on that, give me a call. I can maybe explain it a little bit more. Let's go to Lee in San Mateo. How you doing, Lee? Hi, Justin. Thank you for taking my call. Uh, no problem. Thanks you for making it. Yeah, talking about options. Uh, if your mm -hmm. tax bracket is high, do you have mm -hmm. to pay high taxes on the earnings you made from options? Yes, that's actually uh, the biggest negative from it uh, is that it, it typically, unless you're unless you have you're selling long-term options, right? You're selling that for a year plus, then that's different. But the way we do it, we roll them over every 30 to 60 days uh, and get a lot of cash flow that way. So it actually works best in like an IRA, a rollover IRA, things like that. Uh, it does very very well in that environment, and you need actually a substantial amount of capital, uh, usually around 250, 300 thousand dollars or more for it to, to work in that in that fashion. So um, th that's the biggest downside is isn't tax uh, efficient, but if you're making enough to make up for the taxes, it can still be very very good strategy. Okay, actually, I am calling regarding something. Uh, Sure. It's kind of impossible request, but I'm going to ask you anyway. I okay. am interested in uh, investing in commodities, uh -huh. and I don't know anything about it. So I was hoping if you could give a mini lecture about what are commodities, what are the good examples of commodity stocks or ETFs, or, and when is good time to get in. Okay. Well, that, that's that's a great question. There's a lot of different types of, of commodities you know, you're talking about from natural gas and oil to precious metals to agriculture commodities, you know, wheat and corn and cocoa and, mm -hmm. you know, a lot of different types of commodities. Uh, everyday products that we that we use commodities that go into products that we use and we eat and we use for fuel and uh, precious metals are a little bit different but still lumped in that in that whole vein uh, the best time typically is when dollars weak uh, late in the cycle when inflation is picking up typically uh, and and it, it, there's different supply and, and demand dynamics for each but in general, a weaker dollar is going to give a, a tailwind to commodity prices in general. And you've seen a weaker dollar recently. One of the reasons why you've seen oil prices uh, perk up from you know uh, just a couple of years ago, we were in the 30s. Now we're uh, in the, the 60s and approaching the $70 uh, range. So a lot of that has to do with a weakening dollar. Um, uh, now, I like commodity companies. Okay, So I would rather own... <laughs> Uh, like an XOP, which is an ETF that holds commodity companies, you know, the Exxon Mobiles and Chevrons of the world. Uh, you could own mm -hmm. GDX, which is owning the, the gold and, and silver miners that are, oh, that, that are owned the assets uh, that, that have that underground and they mine that, the, those uh, commodities. Uh, and mm -hmm. you could own uh, agricultural companies that uh, support the 
the industry when it comes to growing crops of any kind. It could be the Archer Daniel Midlands of the world, uh, Bungie. There's a, there's a few out there that are big in that particular industry. So the reason I like the individual companies are are are, are a few reasons. One is management can good management at least can add additional value by making good acquisitions by being good executors on strategy and creating positive cash flow for shareholders. And then two is a lot of them pay dividends. I like the ones that pay out dividends and a cash flow stream. And then three, if commodity prices do go up, typically, at least in the gold mining space, and there's different uh, ratios depending on which space you're talking about, but the, in the gold mining space, they go up three times typically as much as the underlying price of the commodity. So if gold goes up 10%, typically gold miners will go up 30%. Wow. Okay. Does that make sense? So, okay. so that's why I, yeah. I like the individual commodity-related companies. <laughs> Yes, that makes sense. Did you say XOM, Exxon? Uh, well, Exxon, uh, Exxon would would be a commodity producer, right? The, the largest uh, exploration company in the world. Mm -hmm. it's, do you think it's too late to get in XOM? No, I mean, I still, I like. It, it wouldn't be my favorite oil producer out there, or or, or uh, oil-related stock out there. Uh, but they certainly have a long track record, massive amount of uh, assets, and if commodity prices, oil prices go up, I think that they will benefit. Now, is the oil space my favorite space within the commodity universe? Probably not. It's probably not my favorite, especially because it's already gone up a lot. Um, uh, but you know, Exxon does pay a nice 4.2% dividend. They have a long track record of executing. Uh, they have good return on equity, good cash flows, uh, very low debt. So it's certainly a good company. Probably one of the safer commodity plays out there. But you're not going to get uh, the stock doubling or tripling, you know, if oil prices go up, I mean, maybe if oil prices go to $300 a barrel or something, um, that, that's possible, but I don't see that happening. Uh, so, you know, is Exxon good? Yeah, it's good, but certainly not my favorite in the space. Okay. What was the ticker symbol for gold miner? You said GX. GDX. GDX is oh, the yeah. Vanex uh, Vectors gold, yeah. G is in gold, oh, D is okay. in David, X is in X-ray. Okay. Okay. Okay, thank you so much, Stephen. I really enjoy your show and learning a lot each day. So thank you so much. Appreciate it. Okay. Thank you, Lee. Thanks for listening. Thanks for calling. Now, do you need help with your 401k? Now, this is one of the biggest complaints that we hear about 401ks is, can't find good choices within the plan. There aren't many uh, options. And this is why we uh, launched Active401k. Well, it, it doesn't change the fact that you have limited options. It'll at least give you the best possible choices within your employer's plan. Right? You're going to have a lineup 15, 20, 25 funds. What are the good funds to be in not only, to, not, not only longer term, but especially in today's market? Uh, and that could be being conservative, right? And that's uh, uh, one of the recommendations right now is to be conservative. And how do you be conservative? And this is what Active 401k gives you. It gives you guidance 
and then you still have to make the changes, but at least you know how you should allocate your current 401k. So if you'd like to know more about how it works and sign up, just go to investtalk.com, click on the investment programs, and then active 401k. When you sign up to be an InvestTalk Insider, you get all kinds of useful information and lists that can make your investing life easier and more productive. An example is our library of webinars that you can access anytime. It's all free, never a charge for any of it. Sign up now on investtalk.com. Just click on the InvestTalk tab. Eight 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 ninety nine chart eight 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 nine nine two four two seven eight. We have about ten minutes left in the show, so if you're going to call us, get your call in sooner rather than later. Let's talk a little bit about the March durable goods reports, and that came out, and it was the headline was was pretty good, uh, but it, if you look under the hood, it wasn't as positive as it, it might have seemed. Uh, shipments were lackluster on the month, and you know, this is a the durable goods orders number is important because durable goods tend to be big ticket items, right? Things that last over uh, a year, and so it's not so it's not surprising that you saw some moderation from the February report because it is volatile, right? But the underlying trends for both orders and shipments are are still sloping upward. But producers are not really entirely filling orders. Means that they are 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 keeping some drier uh, powder dry, and and the reason is because if there's a, a lull in orders, then they have some inventory, uh, or, or if they if if there's a lull in production, they have some inventory. Uh, if if things get weaker, okay, and so. You're having a really uh, an economy once again that is the headline numbers are, are doing okay, um, but under underlying all these uh, headlines is an economy that remains kind of modest. You know we're going to get uh, a, a GDP figure, or we got a GDP figure for the first quarter that was under two percent. Now the current quarter, which we're a month into now, uh, that expectation so far is about. 4% growth. That's a very strong growth. But we saw that at the beginning of the first quarter where uh, a lot of the models, the Fed models, uh, the Atlanta Fed was starting at 4% at the beginning of, uh, or the end of January, and we ended up under 2 So, uh, you know, I think it's still too soon to figure out where we're going to be. Uh, but typically, the second quarter, uh, as of late, has been a better quarter than the first. So we still remain around, even with the, the what you're seeing now is Tax cuts are giving a boost to the economy, but the Fed and central banks are drawing out liquidity. They're using this excuse. This is what they wanted for a long time. But the governments, especially the U.S. government, uh, didn't do a whole lot of structural reform to give some tailwind on the fiscal side so that the monetary side can pull back stimulus. And that's what you're seeing right now. Now, how much can they pull back with the stimulus that, that Trump and the tax plans have given us? Well, we're, we're about to see, right? Uh, and that's why we're seeing a, a, a sideways choppy market is you have two opposing forces happening in the market right now. Now, the hour is slipping away. If you didn't get your money question in yet, we still have a few moments, a few minutes. Check in now at 888-99-CHART. Join in the discussion.
Let's get back to your calls on Invest Talk for this Monday, April 30th. You need to define your financial goals and investment objectives. All investments must be made with a purpose in mind. Eight steps to organize your personal finances. That's next time. You have a question for Justin right now? 888-99-CHART is how to reach him on Invest Talk. Now here's a question from Sean in West Virginia via investtalk.com. He says, hey guys, thanks for discussing this topic. My mother's financial advisor has had 40% of her assets invested in a variable life annuity for the past 14 years. She's a single healthy 67-year-old that is no, not needed to access any of her assets at this point in her retirement. During a recent meeting with her advisor, it was recommended that she consider converting the money to a fixed annuity with long-term care benefits. The interest rate guarantee is 3% the first year with a minimum guarantee of 1%. Therefore, although they have paid 3% in all prior years from what we have told. Additionally, there is long-term care benefits that if ever needed could be accessed tax-free. Our question is, do these products make financial sense for the average healthy retiree considering the cost of long-term care being so high? Is there a different type of product that makes more sense than that with her variable rate annuity could be converted to without triggering a tax event? Since she has been invested in it for 14 years, there would be there would not be any withdrawal charges. I appreciate the show and don't know of any other that is more informative and helpful. Well, long email, but great question. Uh, and this is a, a good example of uh, annuities uh, are... They're tax-deferred vehicles. One reason why you shouldn't have it in, 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 a, in a, uh, any tax-deferred account, like a 401k or an IRA. Um, but when you do need to access that money, uh, a lot of times you're stuck. Uh, either you take a, a large tax hit or you're forced into uh, something like this, like a fixed uh, annuity. Uh, now, the specifics of it, uh, you know, you gave me some specifics. I would need to know what the long-term benefit care, uh, long-term care benefit uh, benefits are, right? Uh, how much is that costing of her principal? Uh, you know, get, one thing you have to remember about annuities and insurance products is their contracts. Uh, and Steve is the one that that would speak to this a little bit better because he was in the industry, the insurance industry through his 20s, 30s, and early 40s. And so he's very, very well-versed in how this works, right? How the insurance industry builds in different uh, catches. Uh, and that's typically what you're, you're, you're going to have here uh, is a lot of catches. And the specifics are very important. So usually what we do is we say, Give us a copy or get us a copy. Get Steve a copy. You can email to me or our office or whatever. We'll get it to Steve. And he can look it over, a copy of the terms uh, and the contract. And he can let you know, okay, here's how much it is. Here's the lockup period. Because remember, there's going to be a lockup period that you can't touch the money. Uh, it could be 10 years. could be more. Uh, and what the, the overall costs are and fees. And remember, the, these insurance contracts are, are very fee-laden uh, in the small print and you may not see it they're going to talk about the headline numbers right like the three percent and the one percent guaranteed etc um, and you need to really decipher it all and get a get a full picture and steve can do that for you if you would like so just go to investtalk.com send a message to steve and he'll help you out 
Now, before we close the day, I want to talk about two ways to upgrade. Actually, I'm going to go three ways to upgrade your 401k without leaving your job. One is called an in-service rollover. And you can typically do this after 59 and a half, meaning even if you're working with your with your current company and you want to continue to work there, you can do an in-service rollover, roll the current balance into an IRA. You're now out of the constraints of a for, your 401k, which may be subpar based on its choices, right? Uh, and that's one way you can avoid that. Even if you're uh, below 59 and a half, you can still roll out the employer contributions, not your contributions, but employer contributions before you're 59 and a half. So that is one way that you can get out of the confines of your 401k. You can also do, uh, or you can improve it also by doing an in-plan conversion, converting part of it to a Roth. Now, there's some tax consequences to this, but you need to talk to your tax advisor about potentially doing that. Uh, if uh, if you're in a low tax bracket, this typically is good. And then Active 401k, uh, our product will definitely help you make better allocation decisions. Now, time to end the hour. Reminder, Steve will be in San Jose for individual retirement reviews. These can be really helpful if you need help getting your retirement portfolio on track. The date is June 6th, June 6th in San Jose. To reserve your hour now, go to investtalk.com. I'm financial advisor Justin Kleins, DPs, and I thank you for making us a part of your day. Let's meet here again tomorrow. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor, which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, Call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is President and Justin Klein Chief Executive Officer of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial. And they thank you for listening and welcome your comments or questions on our 24-hour listener line at 888-99-CHART.